0: So. Hello, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to the Camp Radio Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Liano, alongside Leonard Moody and Saul Bookman. It is now March, so we're going to be talking Arizona Wildcats men's basketball postseason on top of a lot of other things, the Pac-12 Conference. Starting off with the regular season, they're 24, they finished 24-7, and 14-4 in conference play. Um, either one of you, Saul, Leonard, what did you take out of this regular season from the Wildcats?
1: Well, the regular season, uh, it had you know sometimes where there were a little bit of disappointments in the four conference losses, um, particularly uh, Colorado, Washington, UCLA, and Oregon. But I think overall, through the scrutiny that was put on the Arizona program, that that they they are where they want to be right now. Um, and I think that they're still figuring it out a little bit when it comes to the defensive end. But offensively, I think this team is. You know, they got some of the best talent in the country, so, um, and they've shown that uh, really on the offensive side of the floor. So, you know, I think they've positioned themselves right uh, where they want to be going into the Pac-12 tournament.
2: Uh, you know, I think they're through the course of a season, you had about three to four different seasons. You know, it, it feels like it's been the longest year ever. And, you know, you go from the Bahamas and before, so pre-Bahamas, and what a catastrophe that was. They come out three and three right there. Then you move into kind of the the post-Bahamas, where for a stretch up until the Colorado regular season game, they looked just as good as anybody in the country, progressively getting better and better and better and really capped off with that ASU win at home. And then after the, after the Colorado game, you could see they had a couple games that were good and then a game that was bad and then a couple that were good. And I think their worst game of the year, I think by and large, was UCLA. Just because it was at home and the way they got dominated, uh, it wasn't that they just came out flat. They just, they just weren't good that night. And UCLA proved that they were a better team that night. And, uh, and then now, now we're getting to essentially like a phase three or four uh, because you have this investigation that pops off last week, and this team is kind of reeling from that. You can see the emotional toll that it took on them this past week, but they were still able to get the job done. They get a few days off to kind of relax without all this negativity surrounding them, and it'll be interesting to see how they carry it forward.
0: Now there are also several players who, you know, reached several feats, you know, DeAndre Ayton, I think he had set like five freshman records in points, rebounds, blocks and Everything. Du- and double doubles. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Dusan Vrsak, the becoming the was it the all-time winning, winning Wildcat. Player, yeah. So uh, what kind of things do do these feats mean at this point going into uh tournament season? Well, DeAndre
1: Aiden, um, he is everything that his numbers display. I mean, the man is he's a man amongst boys and um he's, you know, a blessing for U of A to have, especially, you know, through that scrutiny with Alonzo Trier. Um, but yeah, as far as Dusant Riches, he's he's been here and he's, you know, been a true professional and has, you know, showed up to practice every day and been a leader. Um, but those things right now, they they don't matter too much because it's all about the future and how they're able to continue to live up to that name. And so, Doosan Richards is going to have to prove, um, you know, when it really matters uh, what his tenure here at U of A has really meant and um, really come out and, you know, lead this U of A team when it counts as well as Aiden.
2: Surprisingly enough, I still think that Aiden hasn't played as well as he could, despite the fact that he's all world everything, it feels like. I still feel like there's another level that DeAndre Aiden can, can achieve. Specifically defensively, and it, and even offensively down low on the block. I think there's a couple times where I would like to see him really expose um, the defenders. Um, I think you're going to start to see that as we move forward into uh, packed or not Pac-12 play, but NCAA tournament play, where teams are not as familiar a- of the abilities that of DeAndre Ayton, and I think he's going to have just a phenomenal postseason. Now, how long will that postseason last? Well, that's a completely different story, and we'll get to that in a second.
0: One thing I find funny, as you mentioned, that he still has all that extra thing, is still where Sean Miller believes that unanimously Pac-12 Player of the Year or even the Wooden Award winner. Like, you, I don't think any of us have ever seen someone of that talent in quite a while.
2: Not a freshman.
0: Exactly. Um, but So one example is he's leaving. Doosan's leaving. I think also Trier, PJC, Raleigh. They're losing a lot of players and Arizona right now has zero recruits going into the next year. Is this like do you see this year as like a now or never year or do you think maybe Sean Miller can
2: muster something up next year? Right. Oh, <laughs> I mean, geez. this is all or nothing. I I don't know how you can sit there and say it isn't. There's nobody on the board for next year. You have no idea what you have coming back. You don't know if anybody's going to transfer. You don't know how these players are going to develop. If you're going off of just the results of this year and based on the players that are coming off the bench who will be the starters next year, projected starters next year, uh, there's not a lot left. You know, you may be getting eight points off the bench and maybe a couple rebounds and some steals, and that's not even including Chase Jeter from his days at Duke. Man, it's not looking good. And, you know, I've been kind of going back and forth on this for a while. I'm not so sure Sean Miller comes back next year. You know, I mean like what well, what's he the to say that, back
1: to right?
2: well, yeah, what what's he coming back to? And why wouldn't this would be the optimal time if you're a school out there like Pitt, his home school, where they're just absolute trash to hey, Sean, we don't care what's about to happen to you. We'll take you for a couple years so you can build this program back up to where it needs to be. By the time you're off the NCAA books and you don't have any suspensions or a show cause penalty against you, now you can thrive. at at your alma mater, uh, which is something I know he's he's always thought of. It's just you don't leave, you know, a diamond program like Arizona at the time when, when Pitt was looking at him to go to a pit, which is like a dumpster fire right now. But now the tables have turned, and I could see him easily going there or even to the NBA. So there's just so many questions up in the air, and I'm telling you what, if they get upset in the NCAA tournament, whenever that should happen, if it happens, It'll be the most devastating point of any upset ever in Arizona history because of what's on the brink.
1: Yeah, definitely is a lot riding on the line on this season, really everything riding on the line because of so much uncertainty uh, going forward. I mean, like we said, we don't know what Sean Miller's coming back to. It's going to turn into a, an offensive, um, uh, a great offensive team to a very scrappy team if that happens. Um, and I really don't know what the future is for for Arizona going forward right now for, for Miller, let alone the players, especially the decommitting of Sharif O'Neal and, and
0: Williams. Looking into this week, the Pac-12 tournament begins. Uh, it begins on Wednesday, but Arizona doesn't have to play until Thursday cause they go straight to the quarterfinals. They, they will play the winner of Arizona State and Colorado. Um, assuming it would be, if, if it were to be Arizona versus Arizona State, in the quarterfinals in las vegas what kind of story does that does that set for college basketball here in arizona well i mean
1: with what we just talked about with everything riding on the line you really can't make a better um ending at least for you know everything coming up to raps here if you do face arizona state um you know that's gonna be that's gonna be wild and the environment in there is gonna be wild the game's gonna be wild um, as far as, you know, how the game will play out, I think U of A, Arizona has proven that Arizona State isn't really much of a, a test for them. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Their, their guard play is always tough to contain. Um, but I just think the size of Arizona uh, will be too much for Arizona State.
2: You know, I'm not so sure Arizona State even gets past Colorado. Uh, they're so up and down. You have no idea. It's a neutral court setting. Who knows? But let's say, let's say the Sun Devils do, and they get to meet the Wildcats in the, in the quarterfinals. You know, kind of like what, what Leonard said, I think at this point, Arizona feels like, yeah, w- you know who the big dog on the block is. It's always been us. It always will be us. It doesn't matter what's about to happen the next couple years. Once we rebound, we're still going to be the Kings on the block. And I think this is – I wouldn't be shocked if Arizona came out and just smashed ASU. Just to set a, uh, uh, a tone for the rest of the tournament and for the rest of the postseason – as well as send the Sun Devils home. Because they're right there on the brink. They're on the bubble. They need a big win like over U of A to solidify their their spot in the NCAA tournament. They beat Colorado or lose to Colorado. We're talking about something completely different. But let's say they beat Colorado and then lose handedly to U of A. It'll show a lack of progress throughout the season since their non-conference schedule where they went 12-0. and um, And I'm not so sure they're in the tournament at that point. Now, I would
0: say... What non-U of A players do you guys see as like a what's going to make a big impact in this tournament?
2: Oh, I I think without a doubt it'd be um, uh, Reed from uh, Stanford. Uh, I, why can I not think of his name? Reed Travis. Reed Travis. Sorry, yeah, Reed Travis. I just I went blank for a second. Yeah, Reed Travis is a beast. Hey, I'm sorry, everybody thinks about Aaron Holiday and how great he is, but Reed Travis manhandled Arizona manhandled ASU, and if it weren't for DeAndre Aiden, Reed Travis would be the best power forward in the league. So uh, He's the one that I liked watching last year when I uh, I saw them play against ASU in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, and when we go there on Wednesday, he's going to be another person that I, I really want to see play.
1: I would. He already kind of gave a preview of what I was going to say. Oh, no, not Reed Travis. I mean Aaron Holiday. Oh, okay. I, I got to go Aaron Holiday. The way that Uh, He's able to control the game with the pace, um, with his defense, his physicality against point guards. I think that he really – Parker Jackson-Cottroyd played a decent game um, when they played UCLA as far as setting the pace himself, but I think he just had complete control over that matchup.
2: Aaron Holliday is a bulldog. Yeah. He is a bulldog. And when he he talks about set the tone, from the very jump against U of A, he was up in Alonzo Trier's grill the entire first five minutes. And that set the tone for Trier, and Trier didn't do anything that game. It just shook shook him. And so, yeah, Aaron Holiday. If it weren't for DeAndre Aiden, Aaron Holiday might be the player of the year in the Pac-12, but you just can't pass up a DeAndre Aiden, so
0: Now, speaking of Trier, on Saturday he only had like one field goal throughout the entire game. Is that maybe a concerning thing going into the tournament at all, or do you think he's just a bad misstep? Or
2: Well, Arizona only goes as far as Trier goes. I know it's DeAndre and and you know how he plays and stuff like that. Yeah, but you you expect DeAndre to give you at least fifteen points and ten rebounds every single night. So, I mean, he's he's done that more often than not. Trier, on the other hand, he's had a, pen, uh, a penchant for you know having less than ten points in a game or really struggling shooting wise. If he has one of those games in the tournament, dundada, ain't happening. You are not getting past that team, whoever that team is. So they're just lucky they played the worst team in the Pac-12 on Saturday in, in Cal. So.
1: Yeah, definitely due to Arizona's defensive woes this season, you, you're you not going to get by with just Aiden being alone, the lone scorer. Uh, like Saul said, Trier is going to take this team, or this team is going to go as far as Trier takes them, and they're going to need every bit of offense out of their main key points, uh, like even Raleigh, uh, to get past opponents because their defense has been um, – we've seen that it hasn't been enough. And so they have to outscore people and – you know, Trier
0: is going to obviously be a big part of that. Now, we're all probably having that, of course, assumption. Arizona can very well win this tournament. They probably have the best chances, too. But if they were to lose somehow maybe in the quarterfinals or the semifinals, and then there's a team that maybe is on the bubble who has that, uh, who's almost there, not quite, but they need to win the tournament for an automatic qualifier who would you have take this
2: in order? Okay. If you're talking about a team that needs to win the tournament to be an automatic qualifier, I would say it'd be one of two teams. It would be Utah or UCLA Um, in terms of who I think could win it outside of Arizona. um, I would, I would probably say either UCLA or USC. Um, So it's kind of two different questions right there, but um, yeah, I think my money would be on UCLA at this point um, just because I think they're the better all around team.
1: I would also go UCLA. I think that they're the actual, uh, actually the biggest test to Arizona in this tournament, uh, due to the way Aaron Holiday, uh, the way he plays, and the point guard matchup that we have. It isn't the best because he's a big physical guard, and there's really nobody who can stay in front. Raleigh's not doesn't have the quickness enough to stay in front. So, um, also some of their bigs they pull us out of the paint as well and make us a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and so I think UCLA is the team that's. Well, uh, mostly constructed
0: to take down U of A. Who do you guys have MVP if they're going like as a pre-tournament MVP going into this week?
2: You mean like for the regular season? Yeah. Oh, DeAndre Ayton.
0: Without a doubt. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> easily, um, and assuming, that, assuming Arizona wins, he's probably got it for the Championship game,
2: yeah, possibly. I mean, Trier won it last year despite Laurie Markkinen being on the team. So you never know what could happen, but you know, I, Arizona needs—they need this tournament more than they realize. I think uh, they need this tournament to to kind of get some momentum and some mojo back, um, so that way when they go into the NCAA tournament, they're feeling—they're feeling right. Um, they haven't felt right all season. They've been up and down, up and down, up and down. They beat some good teams. They lost to some bad teams. But overall, they're about where they should have been. Despite the number two rank- ranking, I think we can all agree that they were a little over overranked at the beginning of the year. But that's not to say that they can't get hot. And, yeah, to, to everybody else's point, there's been uh, – I think there was a, um, a story today that said Arizona is one of the eight favorites to win the national championship. And I would absolutely agree with that. But it's all predicated on if they can get hot at the right time. Because if they have one of those cold nights, it's a wrap.
1: They definitely, have the talent level of anybody in the country, you're always going to be in a good position when you have arguably the best player in the country. Uh, it's People go back and forth between Marvin Bagley and, and DeAndre Ayton, but even if you're being compared on that pedestal, you're going to be in a good position. And so especially with another guy like Alonzo Trier who can really get you a bucket at any time. Um, and, and as well as the, the coaching. And so right now, Arizona, they, they have everything. And it's a matter of if they put it together or not. And we're going to have to see, I think most interesting is, uh, it seems self-explanatory, the effort level, but it's going to have to be there because I think that's the only downfall of Arizona, really, when they lose games is their effort level. Um, like Sean Miller was saying, it's, you know, it's tough to get his guys to play for him. And I think that we see that many times when they get down in the first half against teams who really shouldn't be playing with them and they try to make that second half push, and they usually do, but I've been saying all season that Arizona must be careful with that. And so like like Saul was saying, they have the talent level, you know, DeAndre Aiden and, and they have Trier and, and obviously we know those guys and but it's about what's gonna
0: come with that talent. Does anyone anyone else have any maybe anything else that you might want to share as a uh, preview you guys have preview thoughts you have
2: heading into this week? No, I I think this is going to be one of the most exciting Pac-12 tournaments of the uh, of recent memory. You know, last year completely different scenario where you had Oregon, UCLA, and Arizona all in the top five, and so you knew once we got to the semifinals, it was going to be it was going to be lit. Um, But this year, I mean, you could you could really make a case for about ten teams in the Pac-12. If should Arizona go down, that could possibly make a run and get an automatic berth by winning the Pac-12 tournament. You got Washington. Utah, pretty much everybody outside of Washington State and Cal has a chance. Um, so that alone makes it uh, as fascinating and as, as exciting a tournament as you can hope for.
1: Um, Yeah, I'm definitely uh, interested to see how wide open the tournament is, like Saul said, but I'm also interested on one player uh, and how he, he fares in this tournament, and that is Lonzo Trier. I want to see w- what he's able to do for this team. We know what Aiden's going to give us, and I think that most of our all of our success really is going to come down to cheers play and um it'll be interesting to see what he is able to do in his last year
0: all right so i think that would be good to wrap it up on that on that point so i just gonna say thank you everybody for uh listening in here to the camp sports radio podcast uh, for previewing the pac-12 men's basketball tournament we're going to be back here, or not here. We're going to be in Las Vegas providing you live coverage and providing you podcast daily. Uh, be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at camp, camp underscore sports, as well as our uh, sister outlet's Twitter handles at Wildcat Hoops, as well as at UATV3. So once again, I'm Rob Liano alongside Saul Bookman and Leonard Moody. We'll see you guys later this week.